What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sunday Sauce Podcast. It's episode five. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Joey Coffee, what's up, bro? Chilling, man. It's nice to have uh, some nice weather out. It's like 85 today that we're, that we're doing this in Boston. So uh, definitely be in some sipping later on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's even warm in the rock. So, you know, that's how it's, things are going really, really well for the rest that's of the That's when you know day. it's good, yeah. Yeah. Quick update for you guys. We're going to do a little flip-flop on the structure of the show today. Um, we are going to do our victory lap and our AMA first. That way we can get you to our interview with none other than Anthony Lamb of the University of Vermont Catamounts quicker than all the other interviews. Um, and then we'll do the big four breakdown on the back end as well. So if you guys want to stick around for that, awesome. But we want to make sure we're getting you the coolest part, the big time interview that we have earlier. Um, you can let us know if you guys like it this way or not, but figured we'd, we'd flip flop it and then see how it goes. So again, interview with Anthony Lamb today, going to be awesome NBA prospect, and um, you're going to love to hear what he has to say. So let's get right into it, Joey, a little victory lap. Um, a little bit salty about the ending of that golf matchup last week between uh, Wolf and Ricky versus Fowler and I'm sorry, Wolf and uh, Fowler versus McElroy and um, Dustin Johnson. I had money on Wolf mm. and Fowler, and they were winning the whole time. Fowler had a great round. Wolf was doing all right, but Fowler was playing very, very well. And at the last hole, they tied. So then they go back to 17, and instead of actually playing out the hole as its entirety, they do a closest to the pin to decide the winner. So I'm sitting there for like three and a half, four hours watching this entire match just for a $25 bet that, you know, won me like 40 bucks overall. And I have to accept the fact that I lose on a closest to the pin and they only have to put it out. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll never get that about golf. I know, I feel like for the actual tournaments, like they obviously play the last hole, but for like, I mean, you guys sit through like four hours of golf. Like you might as well just finish it up like, People already sat there for like the whole day. You might as well like just play the whole like the close to the pin stuff. Like, I get that it's like you know it's I don't know it's a little more exciting I guess in the moment. Then you're like, okay, but they didn't like they didn't do anything with that actual like the score. So it's a dumb way to decide. I I think when you've already when you've already watched like four hours of four guys golfing. <laughs> right, and maybe I should have wrapped on the rules beforehand so I knew that if it does tie, it's going to this this close to the pin. But I didn't. Now we, so yeah, it, we don't it hurts me too because I'm a big, big time Ricky Fowler fan, and he just continues to like. I don't want to say the word joke, but kind of even in the fake tournaments. tournaments. Yeah, and it was the shot. Even the even the fake ones. He jokes. Yeah, even the fake ones, and it was his shot, and he hits a shot like on the left side of the green. It had a down slope, and it just rolls off the green. I just watched my money go out of my pocket with Ricky Fowler, <laughs> and then of course Mikel Ray comes in and just freaking stuffs it from like ten feet from the pin. So he's still an absolute animal. But moving on. We do have another big-time golf matchup this weekend. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. Two years ago, Brady, uh, Tiger and, and Phil play each other in the match. This one, they're adding in some, some NFL stud quarterbacks and, and rivals in their, own, in their own right. And I think we have uh, a little bet here, Joey, that we, we met to use a couple weeks back. We do. The bet is on. So I'm team Brady-Phil. Frank has uh, Tiger and Manning. 
So we're going to do that. Um, the loser of this bet is going to be a part of a spelling bee on the podcast. But not only that, every like 10 or so minutes, I haven't decided the actual format yet. We're going to actually take a shot. And after you take a shot, we're going to conduct the spelling bee. So it'll be a nice little breakup in the show. Uh, you have to see two dummies uh, get buzzed and try to spell words they don't know how to spell. And uh, yeah, it'll be just all, I mean, I, if I win, I'm going to take so, so much pride in just making you look like an idiot on this, Frank, and just letting all of our friends see you and all of our fans listen to you try to spell words when you're buzzed. <laughs> I got sweaty palms thinking about this. So just for you guys, just for yeah, you guys. You're a, yeah, you're a, you're a mess when you're sober, when you're drunk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, I'm going to give you the biggest words. So just kind of like break down a little more. We typically like record outside the interview for like 30 or 40 minutes. What, what we're thinking of doing is like 10 minute mark, loser takes a shot. And then while they're still recovering from that shot, they probably hate like tequila, for example. They give us a word to spell. I'm on a Pia, for example. Shit, I'm screwed. Like that's a tough word. After the 20 minute mark. All right, folks are pausing again. Next shot. After the shot, the loser again spells, spells the word. So high stakes for this, this big match. I have Tiger and Peyton. Mm-hmm. You have Tommy B and Phil. So be sure to tune in on Sunday for, for that big match and then back with us next week. And um, I, I really hope that I'm not the victim. But if, if it is, you know, we're men of our word here. We'll, we'll, pay, we'll pay our dues. Um, in NCAA football news, and I think this is relevant because you're a Michigan fan, I'm a Buckeye guy, Coach Harbaugh came out saying, and I – you know, maybe this isn't stating the obvious. We must beat Ohio State this year. Quote, nothing makes us angrier. Um, no, yeah, no shit. Good I mean, job, yeah, good yeah job. I, lost, I lost some of my affinity for Michigan when I went to, obviously went to Syracuse. Um, you know, I, I was always a, a fan growing up. But like, the Harbaugh years have been, they've been so bad. Like, they have never, they haven't beat Ohio State yet. It's just, it's so embarrassing. Like, they get stunted on every time. And I mean, I get the like you, you, you can't even you can't fire him because like he's the, the best recruiter, like uh, like it's like him the savings of the world like they're the best recruiters. He gets guys they just can't they can't beat Ohio State. So like half his job he's like really good at, and the other half like I mean obviously the, the, the job is to win all the games, but like being Ohio State is what your job is to do at Michigan. And he can't do it. And I like listen like I'll respect Harbaugh for the fact that he came in and, like put Michigan from like a marketing standpoint really back on yeah him. and like. They still they're good. They're just not good they have good seasons. They're winning games, but like that really big game, like that most important game, that game that you yeah. have to get to get to that maybe final four, that national championship level, he just isn't doing. And I don't, I don't know if it's like an omen or he does. He just kind of the players just aren't up to the level of the Buckeyes. But I just thought it was funny that he's out here saying we must beat Ohio State. Like, dude, that's what hey. you brought in like five or six years ago to do. No so, shit. Figure it out. Um, final, final part of our victory lap sticking in college though. Looks like some good news. Colleges are, are, are allowing players to get back on campus after June 1st final say up to the te- teams and conferences at the end of the day. Cause obviously different States have different issues right now with the virus, but I think this is huge news. Cause I know that like pe- the, the leaders of NCAA have come out and said like, listen, like there's, if there's no students on campus, there's no sports. So, um, this is, this is in my opinion, a, a great little small win for us sports fans. and, I, and I We're getting there. Sure. Every day is like a little little tidbit of some more stuff. So hopefully it keeps going. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we'll move on to our, our favorite segment, our AMA. For those of you who don't know or who are new here, it's our ask me anything or ask us anything or, or what do you just want to know generally from, from the words of Joey Coffey and Frankie Meatballs. 
Um, our first one here is from none other than uh, University of Tampa legend. This Mikey one hurt. I'm, go, I'm, I'm pissed. He's doing best. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mikey Putman, the frat boy from U Tampa, says, "Who bench presses more?" Now, a couple weeks ago, we sick we dude, sick Mikey Putt. I thought we were boys, bro. I was gonna say a couple weeks ago, like we a little bro to me. I, I do it. I love Mikey Putt. He came to Boston like a few months ago. Had a great time. Me him, my cousin AP. They brought their whole squad. It was so much fun. I felt like I, felt like I was like 90 because they're all like 20. Um, but, yeah, that one, dude, it'd it be your own. It'd be your own people. Yeah, it does. I was going to say, going back to like the couple weeks ago when we were asked like if you were D-bags in high school, like if I answer this question and say, yes, I bunch press more than Joey, then I look like that <laughs> asshole. So, um, great question, Potman, but I'll, I'll save Joey on this one. Next one from uh, – actually, our friend – who we were on his podcast last week. Uh, he's my co-worker, yep. Colin Waitsman. He started a new podcast called Innovators Anonymous. Super cool um, stuff he's doing over there, interviewing some awesome people. I think his uncle or one of his family members is actually um, a former astronaut. So like that was one of his interviews. Super, super cool what he's doing. And we, had, we were on his podcast for like little sports goat talk debate, which is awesome. So tune into his. Again, it's called Innovators Anonymous. But his question to us was, what does Joe Rogan going exclusive on Spotify mean for podcasting? Uh, coffee. I know you did a little more deep dive than I did with Rogan. You pay a lot more attention to, to, to what he has or what he, what's going on in, in his world. So feel free to touch upon this. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, it's already been happening in the world where entertainment has been shifting to obviously on the internet, but more so like, you know, uh, more, more short form. I know he has a super long podcast, but like YouTube has been popping off with like their content. It's more specialized content is like the, the way things are going like people can pick and choose what they want to see whereas like, if you watch like television or like on a network it's like they're they're giving you what they think you want to watch whereas like with joe rogan like you don't have to listen to, to rogan if you don't want to but if you want to listen to him you can listen to him anywhere anytime um in any place what this means is that rogan has like officially solidified that there's a new precedent in media and it is podcasting uh and the deal again it's, i don't know People are saying what the deal is worth. I don't know if it's like true or not. It's just all rumor or hearsay. Um, people are saying it's like a five-year deal for $100 million a year for Joe Rogan to be on Spotify. And I believe that also includes like all of his uh, videos. I don't know what's going to happen to like his YouTube channel. I don't know if like Spotify now owns the rights to that. But basically what, what Joe did was like set a new precedent in media. Um, like, cause he could have easily been like one of those late night talk show hosts, Frank, like, like the Fallons of the world. Like That's basically kind of what he does, but it's on a podcast, not on TV. Uh, it's also it's also not scripted. It's much more real and raw. It's not like you know like stupid little gimmicky jokes. Um, but I think Rogan just set a whole new path for like if anyone like basically I guess anyone our age or even younger um, who wants to sort of get into this world or even like try to be an entertainer. Um, he basically just said, "Yo, like you want to make the big bucks? Like this is what you do. Like if you're like a great podcaster, this is a this is now a thing. Not that it ever it wasn't a thing. Like there's like, PMTs." of the world um there's a lot of big podcasts that obviously make a lot of money um but this is like old school like big time like actor like big time tv deal money like there's a there's a new shift in what media is going towards so i think he kind of just put his balls on the table and said like i'm the guy now Mm -hmm. i think that's what that's kind of the contract i think uh, quality green should be yeah yeah five years 100 100, 100 milli speaking of quality greens no answer on our ama this week I scared them it, off. They didn't say anything. They must have heard you. Who benches more, me or Quality Greens? Me. You. Get off me. You're still here. They're not. <laughs> okay. Um, two more AMAs before the interview. 
I'm a college teammate of mine at Fisher, Anthony Goose Lucidis. Lucidis, Lucidis, whatever you, how you want to pronounce it. You got a <laughs> long last name, Goose. Nonetheless, he said, what if the Nets won game one versus the Bulls in 1998 because of the scoring error they had? Um, I know Joey did a quick little back check on this. It was more yeah. so the, the error on TNT's part, if you want to. Yeah, I, I saw this question. I didn't know what, what he was talking about because I, I looked up a bunch of, like, articles. I couldn't find – I found one article that explained what happened. And basically it was, like – it happens all the time. Like, there's, a, like, a lag in, like, the network putting up the score of the show or on the, on the game. Um, so there's, like, a tip-in basket to give the Nets the lead. And he, he – because uh, the guy made one free throw, missed one. Guy tips it in. TNT does not update the score. So the Bulls were still up on TV. Um, but there was an article online also stating that, like, everyone who was, like, in person, like, all the scorekeepers and the players and the refs um, knew what the actual score was. So it was more so like a TV glitch. Um, but either way, I mean, the so that game was um, – the Nets almost beat the Bulls. So I think either way, if Jordan wins that game by, like, you know, they won by, like, I think four points, uh, if they lose that game, uh, either way, it's just going to spark Jordan's fire. And, like, the Nets have no prayer of winning. They, they, they got swept. But if they won that game, and there was no – I would bet – I would bet all the money in the world that they were going to lose three to one in that series. So there's no way Jordan's will let the Nets beat him in the first round. So sure. I think either way, like the Nets were screwed. Like, okay, they would have gotten one if they won that game, but it wouldn't have mattered. Sure. Thanks for clearing that up. Good question though. Didn't know about that. All right. Final one. Coworker and my homie Marshall Salem. He want, he asked us to do the Mount Rushmore of dog breeds. We don't want to rip anyone else off on the other shows that use the Mount Rushmore thing. So we're going to call it, uh, the meat, the meatball mountain of dog yep. here. Real quick, we're gonna go through this. I'll start. Um, we're gonna get you just your four breeds. Um, well, let's do one, let's do let's alternate. You gotta do pets. Okay, sure. Go first. Cool. You go first. I'm going to obviously use favoritism here. My my dog Vito, my Rachel's dog Vito, is a Shih Tzu Poodle mix, and he's the cutest thing in the world because he has that poodle like body and cute poodle face, but has the Shih Tzu colors. Because I think sometimes Shih Tzu's got that like little plus ugly looking face so he's got the <laughs> worlds and so that's my uh, number one number one all right on the meatball mountain i'm going labradoodle i that's love cool. labradoodles i grew up next to one i think i want to buy one one day they don't like they don't they don't really shed they got the poodle brains and a lab brain mix so it's like like happy-go-lucky brain and like smart brain like dumb brain smart brain mixed yeah. together and it's like the perfect dog so kind of like us just like yeah. Half half smart, half just completely off the rails. Yes. Cool. You're All up right, next. Second, second for me, I'm going to go, again, favoritism. My brother, Nick, has a giant German Shepherd, 130-pound beast. And I love him. He's a gentle giant. Once you get to know him, he's just absolutely just so intelligent, but so dumb at the same time. It's funny. We yeah, just he's – yeah. Both worlds, so, cool. Um, German Shepherd's my number two. Okay. I'm going to go Bernie's Mountain Dog with two. They're so sick. They're just so just like big, fluffy guys. And I've always wanted one. My boy uh, from college, Andy, used to have one when he grew up, and he had pictures. And the dog looks – it looks so sick. I mean, I guess they do look really bad in, like, warm climates. So I don't know if I could ever get one in, like, a – I don't know. I might do it one day. I might, I might just I might get all four of these dogs. They have, like, a little little dog pound. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go Bernie's Mountain Dogs, too. Okay. My third, low-key, like, my favorite, and shout-out Hammy with this one a husky i think huskies are beautiful dogs they're the ice blue eyes and just i know they shed like a yeah, sun like, one, but yeah <laughs> um they're they're beautiful beautiful dogs 
and I would love to have one one day. Okay. I'm going to go – I was Googling, like, dog breeds. I didn't really know that many. Number three, I'm going with Spanish water dog. You're going, this like, kid. you're going, like, these really big mixed breeds. I'm just keeping – Yes, dude. Spanish water – dude, this guy's got, like, this, like – it's one that has, like, the curly-ass hair, like, over his eyes, over their eyes. Um, so, he's, like, a little shaggy mop head, which I kind of have, too. So, it's, like, we're kind of the same. So, I'm going Spanish water dog at three. Interesting. Okay. He looks chill. He, like, he, just, like, he just sits there. He can't, he can't see. So he's not moving that much, probably. Oh, I'm looking it up right now. Oh, my God. It's chilling. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, my final one is a, is a golden doodle. Um, I love them because they're, like, a little bit bigger of a dog, but they don't shed, and they kind of have that nice curly hair. Sim- kind of looks like, you know, a, less, a little more put-together water dog where it's not the, the hair's not on their face, but, but it has that nice. Watch your mouth. Thick, sorry. Thick, uh, thick curly fur and doesn't shed, so that's – Outside of the, the shepherd and the and the husky, I said that shed so much. I'm gonna I pick two dogs on the bookends that don't that don't shed. I'll wrap up with um, Newfoundlands. Shout out to our boy Prevost. Um, when I was a kid, I used to be like deathly afraid of dogs, like all dogs, even like little ones. I was like I was like like a little kid. And one day, went over to Ryan's house and we were like like ten years old. And it feels obviously for those of you who don't know, our buddy Ryan had three of these dogs that were Newfoundlands. And they were legit, like, 200 pounds. Like, they were, like, 5'10", or, like, 5'8", five, like five, on their hind legs. So, they, like, were to like, stand up. These dogs were people, like, crawling on his floor. And he had three of them. And I walked in. I remember I was so, so scared of them. And I sat on the couch. And one of them, had, his head was like, was, like, four bowling balls in one thing. And he came over. And he just puts his head on my lap. And, like, just looks at me. And he's, like, like they, were, they were the nicest dogs. But they, like, if you just saw them, like, they were legit, like, bears. And one of them's name was Bear. They were legit bears. And they had three of them. Um, but once I found that they were, like, just, like, these humongous dogs, they were, like, also super nice. Like, I used to, like, we used to, like, wrestle with them and shit. It was so fun. All right. That's it for our, for our opener. As I mentioned at the beginning, big-time interview with um, Greece Athena Legends and University of Vermont's star, Anthony Lamb, now in the running for an NBA draft prospect. So we'll see you on the back end, folks. Enjoy the interview with Anthony. Welcome, everybody, to our interview with Greece Athena legend, Virginia Catamounts legend, Anthony Lamb. Uh, For those of you who don't know Mr. Lamb, Big-time college hoop stud for the University of Vermont. Two-time America East Player of the Year. AP Honorable Mention All-American. Bear with me. I'm losing my words here. Two-time first-team All-American East. One-time second-team All-American East. America East Rookie of the Year. Two-time America East Tournament MVP. And the sixth all-time leading scorer in Vermont basketball history. Did I miss anything, Lamb? I don't know. I was keeping track. <laughs> That's what we're for, brother. That's what we're for. Um, well, appreciate you having you on. And obviously, Joey and I haven't haven't seen you much since high school, uh, as we're a little bit older. But without a doubt, we've been following you through your, your amazing um, Vermont career. And I want to just start off by thanking you for the sectional championship that you won your freshman year, my senior year. I know I didn't play all that much but being around you and the starting five of Jay and Zach and Dion and Braxton and the rest of the squad like it was a black practice was an absolute battle every day I felt like when I was watching the last dance like that was our practice every single day it was just absolute battles so appreciate you for that 
Um, but before I let Joey kind of go into his question, I wanted you to just kind of walk us through a little bit what's your, what's your daily like draft prep training is right now as, as you're kind of doing it through this, this weird quarantine situation. Yeah, so uh, it's good to see you guys. I know it's been a minute, but uh, I, I appreciate this opportunity to talk to you guys because you guys have been, been cool all throughout. I know you guys show a lot of love, a lot of support, so I definitely appreciate that. But um, Corona's definitely been tough. I know it's been tough on everybody and just hope everybody's staying safe. But for me, I've been blessed to be able to get a little access to the gym and the weight room right now. So just trying to stick up and maintain sort of my physical and my mental preparation going into my next step has been really important. So I work out a little in the morning, a little bit at night, and try to really, I guess, find my edge and my advantage over the guys that don't have that ability right now. So I think that's where I'm trying to make up ground relative to other people that I'm sort of going to be weighed against. And then going off, I was going to ask you, um, what's one part of your game you've been putting the most, like, work or effort into during, like, these workouts and getting ready for the draft? Yeah, so the biggest thing that I know I need is being able to affect the game right away, especially being an older guy right now versus, like, the 19, 19-year-old 19 kids I'll be weighed against is I got to be able to affect the game right away. So that's going to be being able to make shots consistently and then being able to guard them off the position. So that's where I'll, I'll have most of my advantage at the next level if I can prove that I can do that. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about off that, based off that, you know, you played four years at Vermont. You know, do you think scouts are going to use that for, like, your benefit or kind of hold it against you? Because we're in the whole era of, like, you no know, one and dones. Um, so I'm just kind of curious to see your take on, like, what the scouts are going to see as your four-year career versus, like, a one-year career guy. Yeah, so there's there's advantages and disadvantages. I think the, my age doesn't play too well in my favor, but I think I can show with my experience and the way I see the game how I can sort of make up for that age compensation. And I've obviously had the pleasure of watching you since, you know, you were in eighth grade. That's kind of when I first heard of Anthony Lamb. So I was like a junior in high school and I'm watching you grow. I know you were working with, with Legret and that whole AAU squad and yeah. all that work you put in with that squad proved you guys won what three straight section championships and whatnot. But like at what point along that way in high school, or maybe, maybe it came in college, but like at what point were you like, yo, and like, you could do this, man. Like you got NBA potential. Like you can make the leap. Yeah, so honestly, mostly growing up, it was never, I guess I never put a ceiling on like how far I could play or how I wanted to. I just wanted to, I wanted to play the NBA ever since the start because it's just a way to keep playing basketball. And I think basketball has been such a good outlet for me just for myself and being able to have fun and learn new things. I think that's why I've been able to continue to grow. So it's whatever I need to do to play at the next level, that's what I continue to do and learn in order to excel because that's, that's how you get to play in the games is, okay, if you're the best player on the court or you can do the most or help the team win the most, you can play in the games. And that's really all I really wanted to do. So I think the more I go and I guess the higher level I go, I keep elevating my game. So I just keep getting the opportunity to play. Because like J-Mac said, you know, the ball stops bouncing sooner than you want it to, man. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Me and, me and Frank, our former, uh, former interviewee there. <laughs> yeah. Me and, me and Frank fell victim to that pretty quickly after, uh, after high school, I think. So we agreed. Um, but and you mentioned winning and you're, you're a pure winner. And the question I had for you is that, you know, at, even at Vermont, like you had big games with that game winner versus St. John's, you dropped mm -hmm. 30 on Virginia when they came off that national championship. Um, so I'm curious to see, how do you, how do you like express that to coaches and scouts based off like, I, aside from them like seeing that on like paper, how do you express yeah. that like, you're a winner, like you want it, like you're, you're battle tested and like you can go out there and like you can, and can win. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that you have to show because 
you can't really show it as much like with your words, but it's it's your consistency and how you show up day to day. So especially going on to the next step is being a professional and understanding, okay, I got to show up to work every day. How can I make somebody better? Even if I wasn't playing a lot in the games, how can I contribute and add value to whatever organization gave me the chance and, and picked me up? So the same way, like when I started out, when I was a freshman in high school, was, I didn't, I didn't start, I didn't get to play all the minutes, but I got to earn more minutes and play more because I can contribute and, and I earned it in practice. I earned it with the way I was carrying myself and how I was competing. So that's my plan. Cause I know I already, I don't have the best reputation yet as far as, being a, a first round pick or anything like that. But I know I can prove to any team that picks me up and gives me a chance that I'm worth it and I'm worth the money and I'm worth the time and I'll get you guys wins whatever, by whatever means possible. Yeah, I agree. I think I think one of your bigger upsides is the fact that you've been through like a lot of big games and tough times and you've proven mm -hmm. that you can A, handle it and also like succeed and like elevate your own game. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that from you. For sure. You know, I'm going to stick on the um, the big game moments you had and I very fondly remember last year watching or what was it 2018 rather watching your game at, at Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas mm. and that was cool because you were guarding some big time guys they, they're they're always a perennial powerhouse and you went in there and balled out with 24 points like the mental preparation you must have for that was probably crazy so if you can kind of like touch upon like what you do to mentally prepare for these those extra big games and then also like tell us like What's it like playing in that atmosphere of, if not the biggest, you know, home field or home court advantage in all college hoops? Yeah. So I think as far as preparation, um, getting hyped for the game already takes care of yourself, especially when you play like such a like historic team like that. So that's not, I think, the issue for anybody going in there, especially for me. It's like I'm, I'm never afraid of anybody I'm playing. It's always, okay, if I can play against a bigger opponent, I can prove myself there's a bigger opportunity for me. So that's, that's sort of the way I always look at it mentally. But I think the biggest thing going into it for anybody in a situation like that is taking more time to care about the details. So if you can look at the details and sort of separate your emotions from what you actually have to go in there and do and sort of attack the job that you're going to have to take on. Okay, we have high-level athletes. They have, they're greatly coached every time you play them. So, okay, now how are we going to attack this and stick within our system? That's how you would you sort of take away the emotion from – completing the task at hand and that's really what you have to do when you face the bigger teams because you can get high you can get low and if there's a big run when you play in an environment like that it can really hit you quickly so stick it to your game plan is most important but man when I tell you the first time we got to tour a little bit inside Allen Fieldhouse and it's crazy like just all the like the history and, and the things they have to honor the team and the players that came before them and they show so much love to everybody in there it was it, was, it wasn't like a harsh environment at all. They just, it was so, I don't know, it was like pure, but it was also they, they rocked heavy for, for their team. So through, through the ups and downs, they were always supportive. They, they, their loudest locker room was shaking when we were in there, uh, just warming up and stuff. So that's, that's something that I'll, I'll definitely always remember and, and cherish that memory, even though we came out with that. That's so sick. Then the, going off that, and I was going to ask you later, but um, I'll, I'll do it now. You also played in March Madness against, you know, Florida mm -hmm. State. So going off that, they had that whole big atmosphere vibe. Like, what was it like playing in March Madness? Like, knowing like, you're on national TV, everyone's locked in, everyone's focused. Like, what was, it, what was that like compared to, like, other games you played? Yeah, that's – like, I've, been, I've played March Madness twice. Uh, I got, yeah. I'm sad because I had an opportunity to play in a third one, which would have been great for me this year. But just – even more than like Allen's Fieldhouse, like you have fans from all over the country. So it's not even 
it's like it's a neutral site and you can feel it because you can see people with all different types of colors supporting all these different types of teams and like every stadium you go to the it's stacked to the ceiling like three decks and there's so many cameras and lights on the court it's it's an unbelievable experience and I think you can't really prepare for it, even if you. I don't even think you prepare for it if you're on a high major team like that, just because everybody's watching you. Like that's the one game that's on at that time, and you're you're the one that everybody's watching. Like everybody is crushed when March Madness was canceled this year because they care so much about it. So just all the preparation that goes in throughout the week, just getting you ready for that game is is a great experience, and I think that's something that will be missed. And I know the NCAA can can keep it rolling and, and get back on track. I know they got some stuff going on, but just making sure that, like, we can sort of keep that that tradition and the love for the game going that they're able to bring to everybody every year. I think that's something that's, that's great, and they, you can't really replicate that anywhere else. Right. And follow up on that. I mentioned playing the big, the big arenas. Like, mm-hmm. is that is it a myth or is it true that like the depth perception when you're shooting at the hoop is weird because of like the big stadium? Is that like a true thing, or you don't even like think about that? At first, like, as your first shot, you'll always notice it. Like, especially <laughs> that have, like, the wall behind you. Like, that's that's definitely different from playing in, like, a, a drop-back arena. Uh, like, was it uh, the Blue Cross Arena has, like, a little bit of that. But when you play in the big one, like, I remember playing – we played South Carolina. And I think that was, like, one of my first times I played against, like, a team with, like, that far of a drop-back. And I remember it was tough shooting there. We had we had a rough game. There. That was like my freshman year, but I'll never forget that first one. Like the first time you do it is definitely a new experience. And then uh, just kind of getting back to the draft and, and like what we've been doing for prep. Um, you know, with all success comes the haters. You know, someone's got to doubt you out there. Um, you know, I know a lot of talk that me and Frank, you know, I think throw to the side that a lot of guys label you as like a, like a tweener. Like you're a, you played big mm-hmm. in college, but you're six 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 seven. Uh, whereas like most scouts probably see you as like a guard. What do you say to those kind of people who like doubt you because your size kind of puts you in like an awkward spot on the court in their mind? It's like, I think you can play. I mean, if you're a good player, you're, you're going to go out there and impact the game. Uh, but what do you say to those who like doubt you because of that? Yeah, I think the way the game's evolving and the way that it's sort of positionless basketball already, I think if you're just looking at my, my size or you're trying to figure out a position for me, you're sort of selling yourself short and you're not looking at my high level of skill and my ability to read the game and be able to contribute in, in multiple places on the court. So instead of looking at like, oh, he's undersized, oh, he's a mismatch problem for anybody that goes against him. And then also he can guard multiple positions just because he's so strong and he can move his feet well. So that's that's the way I would I would phrase it, but I also really don't talk to people that they really don't know my game. Like, <laughs> and try to talk about me when they don't really know. No, I respect exactly, that. bro. I, I kind of confidence I, I believe you need, and you know your game. You know you can line up against that big man if you need to. But if he's going to come out in the wing with you, you're going to take him the hole. If you got a smaller guard on you, perfect. You can go on the block and work him. So I totally agree with you, and it's it's good that you're aware of of your skills and how you can attack different players because that's that's what I think is going to separate you personally and. And I kind of also want to ask you, based on like that, what, what Joey's saying about different scouts that you may be talking to. Like, I know in the NFL they have you know crazy questions they ask when they're meeting with scouts. Yeah. Are you meeting with scouts right now? Like, is that a process that's happening, or is it more so like, hey, I'm on my own, just training, just getting ready for hopeful, hopeful draft day? Yeah. So because of the situation, like I would have already been working out for teams and things like that, and and been on their court playing from the in front of the teams and, and meeting their staff and like front office and stuff like that. So 
like usually the usual process you would go in and you, I would I would already been gone like right after school training and then around this period I'd be going to teams and working out for them on the court since that can't happen with the corona stuff I've been doing like zoom calls like this and just meeting and talking with teams and they put me through an interview process because they don't really know what they'll be able to find out on the court stuff all they can really use is I guess my my past games and things like that for right now but as that evolves, we'll find out more and, and see. Hopefully, I'll be able to get on the court if, if things open up more, more free. Yeah, it's a wild time, man. But um, real fast, I want to go back to the question I had before. Um, I was going to ask you, based off of that, because of the guys that doubt you, is there someone who, like, who in, uh, in the NBA right now you kind of watch and mold your game after? Or someone – like, who do you try to like, grab little, little tricks from on the NBA right now? Yeah, I definitely – I look all over. I think there's a lot of things that can be gained, even from people that don't – play the same way as me. Um, I think a good comparison for me is like PJ Tucker, just that a mold to be able to affect the game right away, just being able to guard and knock down shots is something I can, like I, he's around the same size as me too in strength. So it's, it's being able to sort of emulate some of the things he do. And he has immediate effect. Like the Rockets are a good team and they, and like he's a big part of their team and, and gives a lot of production to them. So being able to do what he does, just be hard nosed, tough, grind it out, do whatever I got to do. And I think that's the way I can impact the game right away as far as the comparison. But I think for me, especially, like, I don't really fit any one game. So it's it's taking all these little things I can learn and try to learn much about the transition more than, I guess, one way I would play, I guess. I'm glad you mentioned Tucker because, you know, he started a few games at center for the Rockets when they lost yeah. to Capella. So, like, to anyone who's, like, kind of going against your size and saying you are the right size to be a forward or big man, like, look at him. Like, they were winning games with a guy who was your size yeah. playing center. So it's it's funny you mentioned that because it makes them kind of look dumb and for doubting you for that reason. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a different game, man. And he's been in the league for a long time too, so like. Yeah, making money. Right. Yeah, you you making money. There you go. <laughs> um, my my personal favorite, and just because I've known you for a long time, is is how close knit you were with like your teams since the AAU days, since like your younger travel days, and you guys kind of had almost the same core of guys throughout high school, middle school, high school. And it, again, as I mentioned earlier, it proved true to the titles you guys won um, in the Rochester area. But like, how, how important was that to you having the same core growing up, having that same high school team? And like, how did that contribute to the success you had after high school into college? Um, whether it's, you know, playing with your teams or, you know, looking forward to, to play at the next level. Yeah, it was actually funny because the way I got into Rapid League was I actually played against a lot of the guys. So, like, Zach and Peter, like, I would always compete against them on GBA and, and teams like that. So, that's sort of how they found out about me. And, like, at first I didn't like those guys at all. But then once I sort of got into the group and was able to play with them and see, like, what they're about, like, all about winning and playing together, like, that's something I really wanted to do. And sort of Coach Regret brought me in and, and had that going. So that made it really easy, especially when we started playing in high school, just to transition all that into, like, fluidity and just being able to connect and, and relate. And I think that's sort of the same dynamic I had going into college was, like, me personally, I, I'm just a grinder. I like to go out and work. So it's it takes a, a little bit to, I guess, bring me into the group. But as soon as, like, I can find out I can trust these guys and believe them, I'll, I'll give everything I have to the people that are around me. and can trust them with everything every every part of me and give them every ounce of what I got so I think that sort of it sort of replicated itself going into college too and I think that's I've gotten better and I've learned a lot more about how to relate to people and and sort of open up to people and trust people and be about my business going in through the college experience so 
I think that like transition is going to be a lot smoother, but I'm still willing to give everything I got to the program I'm going to next. Without a doubt, man. It was fun to watch. And it, For sure. <laughs> all right, uh, one last question before we go into the rapid fire round. Um, obviously, you've endured a lot throughout your young life, and you prefer, persevered and become an awesome young man and an awesome ball player. And most importantly, just a, a huge advocate for the mental health community. Um, I know I personally look up to you because of that, which is weird because you're younger than me, but still it doesn't matter to yeah. me. Someone that you can look up to. Um, and um, I know myself and I know a lot of people just have mental struggles as is, and it's always good to, to talk it out and, and whatnot. But I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to kind of give advice to those who are struggling in the quote mental game, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's life, um, just because you you endured a lot and you've come out about it and you're just an awesome young man. So I'd love to kind of give you the platform to kind of to speak your mind and give advice to those who, who look up to Anthony Lamb and, and want to hear what he has to say. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think I've, I've definitely went through a lot and I've experienced a lot and like I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. I've I've struggled along the way. I've, I've pushed through them. And I've had points where it was like, I don't feel like struggling anymore. Like, this is this sucks. But it's it's really being able to to look at it like, okay, you're, you're struggling in the short term. Like, that's that's really what it is. Like, your emotions are making you feel something that's, that's, not, that's not the situation. And that's something that the people of Vermont help me see is like, you know, you're, you're telling yourself things that, like, aren't real. Like, they're not real. They don't have real impact on on the world and you're talking yourself into that hope like your your mental voice like what you're saying to yourself has a, a really positive or negative effect on how you view yourself and the world so just being able to sculpt your own view and your own words and being conscious of what you're saying and what you're thinking is really important about putting yourself in the right direction now i'm reading this book i actually just re read this book it's called uh it takes what it takes it's a really good beat uh really good read but it talks about the power of neutral thinking and not like negativity, he says it has seven times the effect on you as positive. So like when you say something out loud, like it becomes real, whatever you're saying. So that's something that I'm, I'm becoming real conscious of right now as far as like tactical things, like never say anything negative about yourself. There's no point, there's already enough haters in the world or whatever that don't know what they're talking about. Never say anything or negative about yourself. Just you gotta keep it moving and, and be conscious of what you're thinking and what you're doing and controlling your surroundings. If you can do that, that's like the first step in being, okay, I can get good people around me. I can keep it moving. I can get through this hard time because it won't last forever. Like, there's no way it can last forever. So I'm telling people from experience, it's just one step at a time. Try to control what you control right now and, and just keep grinding out. That's all you can do. And it will get better. It will get better sooner or later. But it's definitely worth waiting it out. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to finish up here with a little rapid-fire round. Get, okay. get some, some cool, fun questions. So get your creativity rolling. Uh, I'll start off. Favorite arena you've played in? I know we mentioned a couple already, but if the, that's not one of them, what, what's your favorite arena you, you've played? Oh, Patrick Jim. 100 has to, has to be Patrick Jim, man. Catamount Country for life, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, I got a question for you, Ant. So back when you started at Grace Athena High School, do you know who your freshman mentor was? I think, I'm pretty sure it was you, right? It was me, bro. I take full <laughs> responsibility for Anthony Lamb's success. You guys can all thank me later. I've been a day one Anthony Lamb guy. Put it on the record. 
So when, when he makes it to the league, you're gonna put Elfieri on the back of his jersey just so people know who. Oh who, yeah. Who it really? Yeah. I'm going to the, I'm going to the I'm going to the virtual draft, bro. I'm gonna be on the <laughs> virtual stage. <though. laughs> All right. Um, toughest player you've had to guard. I'm assuming it's um, college, but maybe you've played against some like NBA guys and pick up ball. Whoo, that's a good question. Uh, maybe maybe I'll if say, you can't pick just, one, maybe like one or two or three. I'll just say for right now, Azubuki, just because that's that's definitely a tougher match. He's a big dude. He's really strong. Just that was my first time facing somebody that big like that. He's he's definitely a tough cover for for me personally, but I'm, I've I've gotten stronger, so I'm not that worried anymore. I'll go again before we we have Joe ask his one of his last ones. Um, Coolest coach you've interacted with outside of of the coaching staff at Vermont? Um, Outside of Vermont, I have to say, I think John Calipari, he was cool when we played Kentucky. He, He was like, he just said some cool stuff to me when I was walking by. I probably wouldn't even remember, but it, I just remember it stuck with me a little bit. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, the last one I had, Ant, was just a little little go talk. You MJ or Braun guy? 100% MJ, all the way. Okay, I had to get it. I had to get it started. I, think I was hoping you'd say Braun, but. <laughs> <laughs> when you make it to the league, hmm. who are you most excited to face? whether it's just playing them in general or, like, actually guarding them in a game? Uh, I think probably Kyrie. Um, like, I, I used to watch LeBron and, and Kyrie all the time. I love, like, the Cav days. But I definitely – Kyrie's been my, my guy. I've been watching for a long time. And just the way he's skilled and just being able to see a first person is, is something I want to want to be able to check out. That'd be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm assuming you eat – garbage plates or did eat garbage plates when you enrolled mm. us? I hope so. Um, and if so, two-part question here. Where are you getting your go-to garbage plate from? And build build the garbage plate for me when you're there. Okay. I haven't had one in a long time. I'm just say the last place I got one from was Bill Gray's. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but it is my answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, the way I build it, Keep it real generic. Two two cheeseburgers though. No no buns. Cheeseburgers, home fries, uh, meat, hot sauce, ketchup, mustard, all all the all the good stuff in there. Nice. You like Max Salad? salad. Max Salad, of course, of course, gotta have it. Well, Joey, if if you don't have anything else for Lamb, just want to thank you again, brother, for your time. Yeah. I know it's busy. You're getting ready to to ramp up for for the next step in your career, which obviously we're pumped for, and I know everyone else following is so. Um, we are here as a supporting cast for you, as I, as I know you know. You can reach out to us anytime. Love to have you on again once you're moving along in the process so you can kind of continue giving us the behind-the-curtain look and feel of what's going on in the, in the lamb world. Um, but really appreciate you. Stay safe, man. And um, just, just keep dunking the basketball. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know we're always cheering for you, bro. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the sauce pod, right? That's what it's called, the sauce pod? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I appreciate the time, man. I won't forget it. I got you. I'll definitely do one when I when I get down there, too. I got you. All right, Len. All right, Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Easy, brother. Peace, peace. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you all enjoyed 
the interview with University of Vermont graduate and basketball stud Anthony Lamb. We'll keep tabs on him as he goes through his pre-draft process and keep our fingers crossed that we get to see him on draft day. Uh, moving on, though, we're going to go to our big four breakdown, as we mentioned prior to this, that we kind of flip-flopped the show. So kicking it off with Major League Baseball. Um, I know, Joey, you were reading some stuff on uh, Trevor Bauer and Austin Hedges and how players seem a little bit more confident that this season is going to be played. Um, yeah, yeah. so they're, they're voicing their – that they think that's going to happen. It's a matter of, it's a matter of like what the deal is, but they think that's going to happen. Sure. I mean, the the general just I'm getting outside of that is like the owners and players aren't in the best state right now. Um, it's not trending in the greatest direction, but we'll which have means the players of, might get might get screwed, but they'll play. So we'll right, see. right, right. Um, but in positive news, though, the Yanks and Mets are doing their spring training officially down at their Florida sites. Um, and I think the Mets are in St. Lucie, the Yanks are in, in St. Pete, just outside of Tampa. Um, they'll be the, like like a second spring spring training, which is mm-hmm. awesome to see. Like. Something happening. Come back, yeah. I'm so pumped, and I hope it continues in the right direction. And that's all we really have, like, the MLB news. Um, NHL news, and I want to shout out um, my coworker, Steve Romano. He is an absolute guru when it comes to NHL news. And he, we talked about briefly, uh, we're looking at eight to nine different sites, or arenas, rather, as options to resume play. Uh, most likely going to need, like, multiple games at each location per day just to kind of churn out the games most teams had, you know, 12 to 14 games left. So it wasn't anything crazy, but um, we'll see if they actually finish the regular season or if they just go right into some sort of playoff because it's looking like there's going to be some sort of like 24 team playoff proposal with like teams 17 through 24 are going to do some sort of play in to get into the rest of the the tournament. And as we talked about before, how you think like I'm, I'm the mush and like that I might be here. <laughs> the devils are literally like one spot out of that. playoff. So like, if that 24 team happens, thing happens, like we're like 23rd, 26th. So shout out me for being bad luck. Um, and the final thing on the NHL draft is trending toward August. Um, and, and we could have some, some good news this weekend. And the NHLPA is going to be in a meeting with the league and whatnot. So we could have some good news this week. So if we miss out on that, sorry, that's what you got Bleacher Report and all other stuff for to, uh, to catch us on any breaking news we miss. But um, we can move on now to the National Football League, Joey. We have some some new Rooney Rule incentives. Um, so the Rooney Rule essentially is is something where where the league is trying to get better at having minority coaches, minority coordinators, um, front office staff members in the organization. Uh, obviously, it's a predominant white coach, white ownership male ownership sport as I know a lot of other sports are um, and so they're trying to offer like different incentives for teams to interview and then hire coaches coordinators GM senior level executives here so um, they're making teams or in the proposal teams are going to have to now interview two minority head coaches instead of one you have to interview one external minority candidate for a coordinator, GM, and senior like football ops positions, as well as other executive positions. And assistant coaches can now interview for coordinator jobs with other teams, which I guess I didn't know they could do before. Um, and I read an article that like assistants are loving this because they've been blocked from this in the past. So hmm. um, before I let you briefly touch on this, I just want to say that like I'm happy to see the NFL is 
trying to do this because this should be the norm. It shouldn't have to be incentivized. Like if there's a minority coach or front office person, that's better than we'll say you're, you're white person. Like they should be hired. There shouldn't be an incentive for that. And this is the NFL digging themselves in a hole for the past however many years. And now they're trying to get out of it. So I hope that this becomes the norm and that we do get some more equality in sport. I know I work for, for uh, Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment and who they own the Devils and Sixers, and we do a magnificent job of, of bringing in uh, minority staffers and, and, and females and just keeping the culture well, way more well-versed um, than some others do. Um, so it, hit home, it hits home for me, and I hope that the NFL can get to, get to the norm here. But I don't want to say it's a good or bad step. I know um, Marvin Lewis was kind of strong on this, saying yeah. he wasn't liking it too much, but – um, yeah, I didn't have much of this. I mean, it's, it's just kind of, it's just more so like to me, like, all I got is it's kind of off-putting that the NFL is like kind of having to be forced to do this. Like it just, just be a fair race, no matter what, like a race for the coaching jobs, right. uh, no matter what you look like. So that's all. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know that it has to be there, but it's, it's kind of offsetting to me that they're being kind of forced to do it. So yeah, the owners, owners dig themselves in the holes and they're trying to undig themselves out. So, but um Devontae Parker Michael Thomas a little beef here so um mm-hmm. there was a little po- did you did you happen to see the post and it wasn't like Michael it was Thomas a poll it was like a poll saying like would you rather have like Stefan Gilmore guard you or try to break up a pass to Michael Thomas and then Devontae Parker for some reason voted for yeah <laughs> breaking up a pass with uh Michael Thomas and- oh he said it was like a like it was like a or b and like he yeah, said yeah. a and Michael and Thomas got super soft boy salty, and he was just went went off. I mean, rightfully so. Like, if, I don't know. He he got he felt attacked. I mean, anyone who thinks Devontae Parker is in the same breath as Michael Thomas obviously is an idiot. Um, but the fact that Michael Thomas felt that much need to like, I don't know if it's like a pride thing, but he had to like go and like just try to ruin Devontae Parker's life. But he's calling Parker like, wasn't like Parker wasn't like <laughs> you're trash. He'd be like he would say like one word, and then then Michael Thomas would be like. You can't even be in the same breath as me, bro. No, he told me it took, like, it took you like it took you like six years to have one good game. He's like, or something like that. Like, don't like, blame yeah. your QBs, but he said, don't blame your QBs, blame your parents, which is just so disrespectful. Like, all he did was answer a poll, and my boy, was like, all right, boy is roasting he pulled it. He pulled it. He pulled an MJ. He's like, right, I'm gonna end this guy's life because he talked yeah, bad right. about me. This guy's dead to me. <laughs> I think Michael Thomas is a little bit bored during the quarantine. Devontae Parker has had some some good catches. He's an athlete. It's just like he. <laughs> He hasn't been on the Michael Thomas yeah. status, but um, final NBA news, and then this just, just came out very recently. NFL. Um, what would I say? NBA. Oh, yeah, sorry. NFL. Uh, stripchat.com, which I don't think we have to explain what strip chat is. Use your guys' imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, is bidding for the Superdome naming rights $15 million. <laughs> Um, they get 60 million monthly monthly site visits, which which is a big number, and they um, so funny. They outbid like the Bang Bros for the So thought that was pretty funny. I don't think the Saints are going to go for it, but good publicity for Strip Chat. And oh, yeah. um, if they do spend it, good for the Saints for making. Fun. I mean, they weren't. So I was looking up to like the the old Mercedes deal. They weren't like that. Fun. I mean, it's you know, it's a lot of millions, but I think Mercedes paid like 60 million to get that originally. So they weren't like that far off i guess um one day this is gonna this is gonna happen one day yeah. it's gonna be on the decision of one one owner one day is gonna just be complete like like a portnoy if portnoy took over a sports team i feel like <laughs> they, i feel like he'd be like let's do it you know yeah final final portion of our big four breakdown the nba 
Last Dance is over. Last Dance is over. It's sad. It's so good. Yeah, and speaking of that, um, our RIP to the Hall of Famer, Jerry Sloan, jazz coach, and I've mm-hmm. featured a lot in these last couple episodes. Um, he had Parkinson's and, um, and dementia, and that's a very, very tough both diseases to deal with, especially if, if you know someone who's, who's dealt with it. It's, it's very hard to see someone go through that. So uh, rest in peace to him, absolute legend. Um, and I know that he's someone who, who helped change the game during, during the 90s as a coach for sure. Um, and I know you wanted you wanted to start off by touching on on the Steve Kerr's dad assassination, which I didn't know about. I don't know if you. Yeah, I know any about that too. I mean, I've always been. I'm not like a Steve Kerr hater. I never really like was a fan of him. I think he's kind of cocky, but then look, obviously looking back on his life, like rightfully so, like, the guy's a stud at like everything he does. Um, but I didn't know anything about his his uh, father passing away when he was in Beirut, uh, like overseas, like doing like very very good efforts to try and like unite their communities with like social efforts and whatnot and building a sort of like a positive commune for them. Um, yes. I don't know. It's I obviously I couldn't imagine going through that. Um, and the, I thought the part that was interesting to me is that he didn't feel that he could like talk with about that to uh, MJ because MJ's father obviously was um, had passed away too at that time. So the fact that they, that just kind of shows how, I mean, I don't know. The whole that the whole thing with MJ and his teammates being like how he's kind of a dick. Like I think at the end of the day he, he like he loved all those guys, but it's funny how like they didn't really feel emotionally open to like discuss that with him, even though he's kind of going. They're kind of in the same more uh, similar boats there. So that's me was kind of interesting to see how they didn't really talk about it, Steve and uh, Jordan. Mm-hmm. It, it was crazy, very crazy. Brian Russell, moving on, another MJ yeah. shit talk victim. Um. RIP to, to his his fame because MJ just put the kibosh on that real quick. It's so funny how guys like didn't learn back then. Like it was like public news like okay, like player X says he can do this to Jordan. Jordan ruins him. And then every like every year it seemed like someone tried to be like the one that could do it. And it was like it wasn't even like it wasn't even like Shaq or like Larry Bird. It was like these guys who were like role players or like fringe guys in the roster. And they're like MJ can't check me. MJ was, can't me. Yeah, he was literally – I think MJ was literally just saying what up to Stockton and Malone. And in the background, Russell comes up and says, yo, you you can't come – you haven't come at me. Or like, you're at me. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, now, guess what? Now you're if at. I'm the coach and I hear about that, he's not playing a second in the game. Don't even suit up. So, Stay in the stands. So dumb. And also with the Jazz series, the, the flu game turned out to be the food poisoning game. Super funny. How I get back then, everyone thought, like, oh, my God, he was so sick. And, like – Oh, he flu like symptoms. Like, yeah, he was he was sick, but he just had a little tough. He, he, he probably had to poop. He probably had to poop the whole game. He had flu, he had food poisoning. He, he, probably threw, he probably threw up a couple times. Um, I mean, I, I can imagine playing in an NBA Finals game with food poisoning. Uh, but everyone was like, "Oh my God, he had this like severe flu. Like, he was like deathly ill and all this stuff." And like, nah, he, just, he had some some bad uh And also, I want to note on the fact: how did they? How like, it's like everyone's like, "Oh, like he was sabotaged by like that pizza maker guy." Did they call? Who came out, by the way, who came out and said that that was all BS? Boy, he's probably, he's probably yeah. like, getting like death threats now and stuff. Right, right. But I, I want to know, like, whoever called in the pizza order, were they like one pizza from Michael Jordan, please? Like, right. how did how did they know it was his? It was his room. And, like, that hotel, that room, like because they said like yeah. they like there were like like five guys uh, brought the pizza. Like, how did they know it was going to Michael Jordan? Like, right. I get that they probably knew he was in that hotel, but probably. There's a bunch of rooms in the hotel. They're like, I can imagine someone just calling, like, yes, I love like one pepperoni pizza for Michael Jordan, please. 
Pony. Um, the Dennis Rodman WWE post. Oh, he's such a he's such a legend, dude. The final legendary act of of Dennis Rodman just going to WrestleMania movie. during the finals. Yeah, and apparently him and Karl Malone were supposed to like wrestle to yeah. like, the point, which was yeah. hilarious to see like the mailman, like the, the clean cut mailman, going into Dennis Rodman world. But their battles were awesome to watch. So like, funny. I, I watched had... some of that, that game six stuff on Wednesday, like the yeah. footage. And it was just like they're just battling each other, and they could tell it was just all for the love of the game, and they just he had competitors, and, and it was cool to see. Yeah, but yeah the, him the, WWE the part bad. of him like sticking bent uh, into the stadium, uh, getting by the media was was hilarious. Yeah. Um, Horace Grant's came out as well this week, saying MJ is the real snitch, and it was in regards to the Jordan Rules book. And mm-hmm. Horace Grant, if you guys don't know, is boys. He said it himself, is very good friends with the author of the Jordan Rules book. MJ said Horace Grant was someone who he felt like gave a lot of back behind the curtain. And he basically said it was, he said it was, it was, it was Horace Grant. Like MJ right. basically like just blamed it all on him, which right. it probably was, but then Horace Grant, Horace Grant made like a decent point. He was like, you're calling me a snitch. And like your rookie year, you're telling like everyone like, oh, like they're all smoking weed. And like there's girls in the room and no one's really focused. Like. I mean, again, they weren't like really, they weren't big name guys, but MJ did kind of like, he was kind of snitching on them too. Um, but I mean, I, you can't, I don't know, you can't get mad at Horace Grant. Like, he was just getting like, they would show like, like a few highlights, like, oh, yeah, Horace Grant, like, great forward, part of these like championship runs. And then Jordan's like, nah, like, nah, I'm off him. Like, he's dead to me. Like, <laughs> this, this is all his fault. Like, they would like, they would do a good job of like getting you to like, like somebody. And then Jordan's like, well, here's why you should hate them. <laughs> so, I mean, he got he got attacked. He came back. And he, I don't know. I don't think you really can really blame Horace Grant for getting mad. Like he got, he was getting like embarrassed on TV. Right. And, and speaking of a little bit of attacks here, our next two points on Monday, I think it was the uh, was it ESPN that dropped the uh, MJ versus LeBron voting. Yeah, like the, the the day after the documentary ended. Okay. Yeah. So. It essentially just did like all these different like questions and then it was MJ versus LeBron and you had to pick one or the other. So a five week documentary ends on Michael Jordan. Everyone's mind is on Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. Then you try and compare the two of them. Obviously the bias in the mind is thinking Michael Jordan. So you're going to lean towards Michael Jordan on all your answers. And I just think it's hilarious that like they're reaching for this poll. Like they're just, they're reaching for the bait and we're doing what they want us to do. Talk about it. Um, as always. Oh, yeah. It's just unbelievable, and I'm not gonna say where I sway on the MJ Brown stuff. No, like, I don't. I don't really care. It's just the funny. Like, the funniest thing was like one of the categories was literally called "Who was more amazing," and it's just like okay, like the yeah, that's a real measurable mark yeah. of greatness. Yeah, we can we can argue about that all day. That's funny. I think the craziest talk of the entire sports week was oh, yeah. Mr. Paul Pierce coming out on ESPN. Paul Pierce said LeBron isn't even in the top five. And if you watched it, by the way, Paul Pierce looked a little out of it. His eyes were glossy and baggy. And, and Jalen didn't just even have yeah. a single word to say. Didn't even answer. He didn't even answer. And the whole time, Jay Williams, if you're watching it, his head, his head is in his hands, just like, Paul. Paul, what do you mean, Paul? And, like, he had a horrible, horrible reasoning for, for why. His eyes were puffy because he was probably crying because he just thought about LeBron and how LeBron just would just absolutely annihilate him every chance he got. Aside from 08, when Pierce won, uh, and again, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but Paul Pierce always gets so mad that LeBron went to Miami when Paul Pierce started the super teams. He's, he's 
the most salty guy ever, and I get why. I'd be salty too. Like LeBron would literally. Um, someone I saw a tweet. LeBron scored a thousand career points just on Paul Pierce when right. they, when they played. So I mean, yeah, he's gonna be salty. Um, so instead of being salty, get better. Like you're in the NBA. Like don't you want the competition? Like you just want to cakewalk to the finals with. That's why he's salty. Paul Pierce is really good, but Le- LeBron James is LeBron James. Like they're right. not on the same level. Like he's yeah, LeBron you James. If you don't want to be he's salty. Just, he's just so salty. Yeah. Uh, you put Bill Bill Russell third all time, which I man, I get the. I know you're, you're the, not a Bill Russell guy. Well, like the respect factor, I get it. But like, okay, the, the third best best basketball player ever to walk the earth is Bill Russell. Like, please. Yeah. He left out a lot of names there. Um, more positive news on the league in like the current day. They're seriously considering Orlando. Um, their return to play is looking like mid-July with a training camp starting mid-June. Again, yet, yet to be set in stone, but it is a proposal. It's good news and all. And it's a beautiful Memorial Day weekend, Joey. Sure is, man. Thank and you to all the troops. Yeah, absolutely. Before you sign off, thank you to all the veterans. Don't forget why this weekend is this weekend. Um, as always, reach out to us on the Sauce Pod Instagram, the Twitter. Don't forget our blog that we have. Yeah, so I was saying the wrong website like all last episode. So it's sundaysaucepod.blogspot.com. I kept saying podcast. It's just pod. Well done. Well done. All right, everybody. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to tune in Sunday for the golf match. And then we'll, uh, we'll find out what the loser has to do in terms of the shot and spelling bee next week. Take care. See you.